We're transitioning today from our focus this last month on stewardship and thanksgiving and moving into the season of Advent as we wait and watch, as we prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ at Christmas. Our second scripture reading today comes to, um, to us from a part of Luke's gospel, which is called the Little Apocalypse. And after I read it, you'll know why. Chapter, 11, chapter 21, verses 20 to 28. Listen for God's word to you from Luke's gospel. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it, and those out in the country must not enter it, for these are days of vengeance as a fulfillment of all that is, that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be a great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken." Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here we are. It is, it is good to be together on this Sunday morning, uh, just a couple days after Thanksgiving. I, how was your Thanksgiving? Pretty good? Yeah, pretty good. Turn to someone next to you. Just mention, what's a highlight? One highlight of your Thanksgiving. Tell somebody next to you. What was a highlight of your Thanksgiving? What was something that was great? Highlight. Highlight. Good highlights? Yeah, you have a good time? My highlight was playing Koob. There's a lot of highlights. You can share more at coffee hour. Um, so we are moving towards the month of December, the season of Advent. We remember that the word Advent, this season of the church calendar year, um, it means arriving or coming, arrival or coming. It's where we get ready for the arrival or the coming of Jesus. And that's the usual story, isn't it, at Advent every year. This is the time when we prepare our homes with Christmas lights, with lights and decoration. This is the time of year where we prepare our kitchens by cooking special foods, baking cookies with grandma, and, um, and drinking a lot of eggnog. This is the time of year, if you're like me, where you do a lot of shopping, some of it online, and um, get ready to give gifts. We have special events, family traditions, time with friends. Am I speaking to you? But then, in today's scripture lesson, which is from the lectionary, this set of Bible readings that churches all around the world use and are reading together on this first Sunday of Advent, we hear about an Advent that is quite different from the one we've been dreaming of. In this Advent, it is not the baby Jesus who is arriving or coming in the manger, but it's the risen Lord Jesus arriving again from heaven, coming down from the clouds with power, back into this world of trouble. And as he comes, everything is changed. It's an apocalyptic scene. 
the word apocalypse, which we often think of as like the end of the world or tragic things that might happen someday, you know, fires and earthquakes, floods and famines. It turns out that this word apocalypse in the original Greek, the word means revealing or unveiling, showing the truth. So I don't know if you're up to it or not, and I don't know if I am either, but I wonder if God has an apocalyptic advent in store for us this year. The writer Wendell Berry describes Advent this, year, this way. He says, it gets darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. That's pretty good. This might be true just because of the time of year that we're in. As we move through the month of December, it will get darker and darker towards Christmas, but I wonder if it's true for us in other ways as well. The apocalyptic vision of the future that we read in the Bible with all those terrible things that could happen and, and would happen, could be taken from the news of our day, couldn't it? Wildfires that tore up the western states, including California, this year. Wars and rumors of war, including in Ethiopia. The war on terror, the war on drugs, the list goes on. We can point to the, the ongoing battle against COVID-19. Even as so many people get the vaccine, there are still variants and fears on the horizon. But I don't want you to think that all these apocalyptic realities are just out there somewhere at the end of the world or even out there somewhere in our world today or someone else's life because we know this world much better than that. Since we in our own congregation and our own families have experienced many of these same things. Cancer that strikes and strikes again. Grief that grips us and will not let us go. Politics that have ruined family meals, soured relationships, financial worries or losses that mount and add up like a weight on a scale that is so hard to get out from underneath, mental health that's teetering on the edge. And I wonder what you are coming into this day, into this season, this Advent, carrying with you. Here on this, these days after Thanksgiving, here on this first Sunday in the season, what is the apocalyptic issue in your life? Last Sunday, I had the striking experience standing here in the front of the church and looking out at the congregation during worship and seeing so many of you and knowing so many of your stories. It's one of the gifts that Pastor Erica and I get, especially in ministry with you, where we get to know your story, your struggle, your hopes, and your joys. You share them with us. It's a gift. But here's the truth. All these things... The joy and the pain, they're really mixed up together. So I don't want you to believe somebody. I don't want you to believe somebody who tells you that apocalyptic worry or pain or fear or hurt is out there somewhere for someone else someday. Life is more integrated than that. We have already had the experience and we will continue to have the experience of hurt and pain in our lives, even as we seek to be people of faith and hope and love. And those things are not mutually exclusive. They go together. 
Let me tell you a story about that. Um, a lot of you know that one of my favorite things to do is to play Ultimate Frisbee, right? Yes, and I have bored many of you with many of my stories about Ultimate Frisbee. A couple of weeks ago, I returned to the Ultimate Frisbee field uh, after a, a year and a half away. Because of the pandemic, I hadn't been able to play, I hadn't gone, and so I was away. And I was thinking and imagining for months leading up to that return about how glorious it would be. Oh, yes. You thought Jesus was glorious coming down from the clouds? Imagine my return to the Frisbee field in my mind. Um, so I went out the first day, and I had a great time. It was a lot of the same people that I have played with and known for years. So we ran hard. We competed. We jumped. We fell. We, my legs felt like jelly by the end. It was great. Just what I wanted to do. And so then, after that first um, triumphant return week, the next week, I went back because I wanted to feel that same joy, that same adrenaline rush. And I walked on the field and started to play, and within 10 minutes, I sprained my ankle. I just twisted it wrong, and I fell to the ground, and uh, there I was. And I think I was still laying on the field with this, this ankle in pain, holding onto it, when I heard somebody standing nearby say, quote, it's tough getting old. In fact, even after I gimped my way to the sideline, I drove home, I put ice on my ankle, I watched it swell up, people kept saying things along these same lines. You know, you're not as young as you used to be. Get used to it. This is just how life is at this stage. Worst of all, it was my wife who was saying those things. So this is something that we know. When you lace up your cleats and step onto the field, anything could happen, right? There could be excitement and fun. There could be injury or defeat. Or you could just get old. There will be people who you love to be around, you enjoy playing with. There will, there will be people who are real jerks. For me, when I go onto the Frisbee field, I go looking for the joy. But I know sometimes there will also be pain. It's part of the deal. Advent is the same way. Much as we want this to be a magical season where all the apocalyptic parts of life are kept at bay, at least until Christmas, maybe until the new year, the truth is they're all mixed up together. There is surely going to be heartache and hurt, not just in the world and not just for somebody else, but chances are in our own lives, in our own church, in the days ahead. Merry Christmas. So what can we say about this? What do we need to know today? What is God's word of hope for us as we seek to live faithfully into these weeks to come? Let me see if I can reframe the story with you a little bit. A few weeks ago, we had our first supper and study program here in the church um, after, um, after having not done that for some time because of the pandemic. This is a fellowship and study opportunity where we gather around a meal and then we have a speaker or a, a topic or something like that. And so to make this event work, the organizers, they had everything set out outside for a meal out in the courtyard, and then we would go in for the program. They set up tables and chairs. They cooked a delicious meal. They brought out these camping lanterns that they put on the table, so it was really kind of magical. They set, up, um, they set the table with all the, the utensils and what you would need, and most importantly, on that kind of chilly night, they got heat lamps, and this is a really good idea. So before the event started, just as people arrived, I saw Jacob, who's sitting here in the front row. Hi, yeah, there's Jacob. 
um, he was going out and he was lighting the heat lamps, right? You can picture him there, lighting the heat lamps. And I was struck by this image, and stay with me for a minute, I was struck by this image of the lamp lighter, the lamp lighter, the one who's going around making preparations, getting things ready, setting the stage, opening the possibility for a great evening of fellowship. You know, lighting lamps doesn't guarantee a great time. As we all know, there are many ways that things can get messed up and not go right, and I know some of your Thanksgivings might have ended up that way. But lighting the lamps is a sign of faith that says, I'm expecting this to be a great time. I'm hoping that it goes well, and I'm doing my part to set the stage for what will happen. Jesus himself is the lamplighter of Advent. He is the one who's calling us in to come closer, to hear again the ancient prophecies and story, to be reminded of the hope that we have, the great hope for the world that is born at Christmas. He's not guaranteeing that Advent will be all candy canes and Christmas trees. In fact, it probably won't, but he lights the lamp anyway. Jesus lights the lamp of Advent anyway. We light the candles on our wreath every week anyway. Jesus sets out this season, even though apocalyptic things may happen this Advent, even though, we, even though Jesus knows that not everyone will show up with faith and hope and love, even though some of us, some of us might feel tired out or worn out or, uh, or um, uncertain about some things, even though there's trouble in the world and in our lives, even so, Jesus lights the lamp. He creates a space of the season. And we are invited into it. So, if Jesus is the lamp lighter of the season, the one who, like Jacob, is out in the courtyard getting everything ready, then who are we in that scenario? Who are we in that story? What is our role? What is our response to the gracious actions of our God? I want to give you a few ideas. Um, maybe these are ideas for you in, in an apocalyptic Advent season where anything could happen. The first one is simple. It's show up. Who are we? What is our response? What do we got to do? Show up. The lamps have been lit. The table has been set. The food is ready to be served. There is space for you. This is the gracious action of God in this Advent season. So my first invitation to you is just to be part of it and to say yes to it and to show up for it. The work of the lamplighter is to prepare that space, to make it warm and inviting and open. And then our work, our role, is to respond. So I wonder, this Advent, if you would make plans to show up for this season with our church. We have opportunities every week for worship, for study, for fellowship, for service, one Advent action you can take is to open your calendar, look at what's going on, and see which of those things you're called to do, you're, you're feeling drawn towards, you want to show up for, and then put it on there. Make a plan so that you can show up in Advent as a response to this gracious invitation from God. Second, along with showing up, stay home. 
Now I'm really messing with your minds. Those two things sound like they might be in contrast to each other, but it's not. Maybe you're a person who gets your cup filled up by time at home, downtime, me time, a little time on your own or just with your family or your spouse. Something, this is something for the introverts in the room especially. I wonder this Advent and Christmas if you might want to spend some extra time at home, not hustling around in the world, but sitting by the lights of the tree, maybe doing some devotional reading in your own living room, the way that you might turn toward a journal this season, or send out Christmas cards, or do a puzzle, or knit, or quilt, or whatever you little crafty people like to do. I'm thinking about Joseph, you know, Jesus' own earthly father. What was his job again? carpenter. What was he doing in the days leading up to Jesus' birth? He was out in his workshop, working on stuff, noodling away, and as his hands were busy at work, his mind and his heart were free, open to create the space that Jesus came into. Maybe you're that way. Maybe the lamp that is lit is in your garage, or your workshop, or your craft table. Maybe your calendar is too full, and so the spiritual practice of this season is to stay home. Take some time, but do it with intention so that you might be open to Christ who comes. Third, serve others. I didn't mean this to be an alliteration, but preachers go that way sometimes. You know us. Um, Show up, stay home, serve others. This year, we are, as you know, we're collecting these $50 gift cards for families in need in East, um, in East San Jose, and that's one way to bless or help um, those in our community who have a need, but I wonder if there are other ways that God might show you a person who has a need, show you an opportunity to help if you are opening yourself to it. We live in a community where the needs that people have are often hidden from sight, Isn't that right? I mean, sure, there are certainly people with material, physical, and financial needs, and so we seek to help. But more often, folks are suffering in silence, carrying a burden, unable or unwilling to share it all, except maybe with a trusted friend, maybe with someone who would listen well, maybe someone who seems to care. So maybe it would be a special kind of listening and loving that you want to offer somebody in these days. Maybe it would be a card in the mail or a phone call, an invitation to lunch or to coffee. Maybe you would be vigilant and open this season so that when you see something, you say something about it. You know, I don't usually in my own routine run into many people who are are homeless. I don't know about you, but where I go in the course of a week, I probably don't see any homeless people at all. And this last year, Steve Fainer and our youth group made these like packs of food that they gave to people, and we did this last year, where you would put it in your car so that if you saw somebody, you know, asking for food on the side of the road, you would have something to give them. Here, have some food. And, um, or if somebody's asking for money, you can give them this instead. Um, and it was amazing to me, this is last year, that when I had that pack of food in my car, the very first week, I ran into a person, a homeless person who needed it. Normally, I did not have eyes to see homeless people anywhere. I had nothing to offer them. But when I had the intention of having this pack of food in the car, well, there they were. God shows us and offers us opportunities to serve when we orient our hearts that way. 
one more S, along with show up, stay home, serve others. Here's the fourth S, seek. Seek. We all know the old Bible passage that says, seek and you shall find. This Advent, actually Advent every year, really, is a time for seeking. Seeking good news, seeking hope, seeking a sign that God is with you, seeking comfort in a hard time, seeking the faith that you had as a child, seeking uh, healing from the wounds of your life, seeking purpose in a new era. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she was seeking to understand what God was doing with her, wasn't she? As she pondered these things in her heart, she was seeking to understand what's God up to around me in the world and in my own life. You know, I'm seeking that this Advent too. Show up, stay home, serve others, seek to know or find what God is doing in your life. When you lace up your cleats and walk onto the ultimate Frisbee field, you know anything could happen. You might have a great time. You might sprain your ankle. When you step into the Advent season, it's the same way. The lamp has been lit. The space is ready. The lamplighter is Jesus Christ himself. And the good news is that you are invited to this apocalyptic Advent. And I hope you'll come. Amen.